Happy holidays to Bill Landis. It was offensive line day at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. He is Bill. That is Jeremy Birmingham. I am Austin Ward. And probably we're out of here. Bill, enjoy the show. Yeah, solo show for Bill. Some Snappy yeah. J's with Bill Landis. Snappy B's. Doesn't have quite the same, the same ring to it, it but no. let's try it. No. You know the J's for judgment, right? Not for Jeremy. <laughs> oh, I thought it was. It's not? No. So. Well, snappy B's can be Snappy Burbs. That's true. And Austin's out of here. I'm, I'm out. I got no B's. Snappy Dubs. I do have a J in the middle. There you okay. Go. Offensive linemen. Go. Uh, like I think they're going to be good now. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't. I think come around. Like, yeah, I feel like that happens every time we. Have you ever spoken that fast before? I don't know what just happened there. That was. <laughs> yeah, sometimes when I get excited at the. You're like, oh, I don't think they're going to go down. The pace, uh, the pace picks. Talking up. like a rooster. First of all, well, that was a turkey sound. Yeah, I don't I, know. I, turkey. My voice didn't sound. I would have spoken fast, but it didn't sound like that. It didn't sound like Mickey Mouse. No. <laughs> um, this guy. They're like they're very confident. Um. Which I guess isn't surprising. It's a good thing that they are, but like Josh Fryer was asked, like, you guys are considered a liability on this team. Like, do you think you've answered that bell already? It's like, we have, and it's on the tape. And then Carson Hensman's like, I think we're going to win the Joe Moore Award this year. <laughs> and maybe that's taking it a step too far, but we've not, we've seen two practices and it's been a little bit of a hodgepodge. So I don't know if we've been able to get a good feel for what's happening there. But as we've said, like the first team offensive line, the th- people we think are going to be the first team offensive line seem to perform the best we've seen them perform as a unit in that practice last Friday. And then these guys are walking out here now saying like, we think we're playing pretty well against what we all expect to be a, a really good defensive line. So I can only find that encouraging. There are still questions like no one has announced starters. Um, I'm a little concerned about what's happening at left tackle, I suppose, but as a collective unit, it does seem like they're making strides, which is good. Concerned because as Josh Simmons told us today, he's never played left tackle mm-hmm. in his life prior to, when when he revealed that little bit of information in the conversation, I was... Uh, Did you gasp? <laughs> I audibly gasped. I was like, oh, oh no, that doesn't sound right. But it's also, you have to trust the coaching staff and say they, they think this is in the best spot for him. He seems to have taken to it fairly well. I mean, obviously enough that uh, the Buckeyes are, are not pulling back and saying, well, the, we'll send Josh Fryer back to left tackle and... and figure out right tackle because left tackle does still feel more important, even though maybe not quite to the degree mm-hmm. it used to be left versus right, as Justin Fry was talking about extensively today. But the bottom line is that you have three guys who are competing opposite Josh Fryer for that spot. And I think the more competition you have, the more confident people are going to get, the better you're going to feel about it when it's decided. So Justin Fry didn't seem to have any sense of, of doom and gloom or worry about things. Um, we talked to, what, six different offensive linemen out here. I think we can safely... I don't want to say safely assume that's the top six because we didn't see Matthew Jones out here. We expect him to start, but um, you know that would be a shock if he didn't. But he's not a big interview guy, Matthew Jones. We've talked to him for, sure for five. He years. He didn't come out in the spring either. Yeah. Right? There's, no, yeah. there's not a lot to discuss that we haven't discussed in the previous five. He's years. still good. Well, I, cool. I'll see you later. I did ask him about his cleats, and they are yeah. both the same size this year, which is, which is the only information I care about. Okay. So, I mean, I, I liked talking to Vic Cutler. I think it's great to hear from him a little bit more about his growth from the spring to now. He said that his family hates him uh, because all of his family's in Detroit and they're still all Michigan and Michigan State fans. And so he said he was concerned that his mom was going to show up in, in November wearing a green shirt when they play Michigan State because that's her alma mater. So I bet she won't. He said if she did, that he was going to not claim her as his mother anymore. So that's a kind of a big moment. That got real, huh? That's, those are real stakes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, overall, I, I like the, just the way the group is presenting themselves today. And that starts with Donovan Jackson, who was the unquestioned leader of this offensive line group. 
rave reviews from Justin Fry, from Vic Cutler, from Josh Simmons, from everyone who's talking to them. Like Donovan Jackson has really stepped up and become a vocal leader of this group. And they need that because there are so many questions. I went uh, after Josh Fryer was done with his session. I bounced back and forth between him and other Josh, a.k.a. Jimmy, and got that little bit of gaspy insight into him not playing left tackle and went to talk to Fryer about things like, don't worry about it. He's been okay. he's been fine there. He's going to be good. I'm okay on the right side. That's going to be fine too. He's played there. So both of those guys are on the same page about that. Now, it, it was weird because Justin Fry didn't totally slam the door on the fact that maybe Josh Fryer could go back to the left side. I think we're probably getting late into the game for them to still be flopping back and forth. Um, yeah. and Ryan Day addressed your question on Monday saying, yeah, projecting it out probably unlikely to move them again so like that's what they want to do and they have enough time to continue to rep that and they feel confident you know they're the ones that are invested in this personally not me so <laughs> and they know what they're looking at so if if justin fry ryan day josh fryer josh simmons all feel like that's the right approach in the middle of august that's what they're going to do yeah so justin fry was asked about the flip-flopping of the tackles he's like well it depends on what day you're out here you could see him on either side and i was like let me go talk to Josh Fryer. Josh, at any point in the last <laughs> few practices, have you been on the left side? He said no. no yeah. So uh, I don't think they're going to move them. And Ryan Day said as much. I like, you know, I had questions about whether or not Josh Fryer could play a left tackle. And it wasn't that like point black. I didn't think he could, couldn't do it. I just thought he was really good when he played right tackle last year. And the idea of like moving him from that spot was a little like, I don't know. Is that best for everybody? I love the idea of him playing right tackle now. And if I think Josh Simmons has a better athletic profile than than Josh Fryer, who's a really good athlete, maybe just like a little bit better foot speed, movement skills. He, like Josh himself said, like I, w- I wish I could move like him. So, if the thought is we put the guy that we know is not rock solid, but I think pretty close to that in a spot where we know he's comfortable, bet on the ups athletic upside of the other guy at left tackle. I think that plan makes sense. Doesn't mean it's going to work, but it's probably what I would do. Not that it mean, that means anything. I think that's why when Ryan Day described this move, it's like, it's not to get ready purely for Indiana. It's a long-term projection, which doesn't even mean just Notre Dame or October or November. It also could mean Berm next year. Yeah, I mean, yep. there is that, both those guys have the opportunity to return a year from now. So, like, not to get too far ahead, but you want to build something long-term. And, you know, I thought, pivoting away from that, one of the things I thought was more interesting today is that Josh, or Justin Fry seemed to, indicate pretty strongly that in the event a guard got hurt, they're likely to pick the next guard from maybe one of those tackles as opposed to uh, running somebody else in there. I mean, Enoch Vamahi, we think, is probably offensive lineman number six right now. But I think that if there's a long-term problem, like I think you could see Luke Montgomery kick back inside or Tiger Shabola go back inside. So, like Josh, too. Like Josh or Blake Josh Fryer could go back inside, depending on you know how the other guys have developed or, or where they feel more comfortable. So, like, there's a little bit more flexibility with this offensive line than I thought a week ago. And hearing that from Justin Friday, they sort of validated that for me. Carson Hinsman talks like a starting center. He does. Um, carries himself like one. I like him a lot. I don't... Do you think... Well, I'm going to jump in. Do you think the Vic Cutler conversation that has been uh, prompted and promoted by Ryan Day in the last week is designed to 
This is Spur. Me, this is me Carson lighting, lighting a lighter. Yeah, make sure there's not. Ten Carson Hinsman's like right here. Make sure there's no complacency That's there. That's warm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Um, not to say that Vic's not done a, acquitted himself nicely, but. Yeah, no, I think, but it's just, it's great to hear because I think they need need that depth there. And I, I, I believe that's real. He looks physically a little better than I thought he looked in the spring. Seems more confident. So that's all great. But I think Carson Hinsman is going to be their starting center and is carrying himself as such. He's talking about all the different different physical, technical things he's had to work on, playing through his legs, making sure his offhand is, is on point every time he's snapping the ball. Seems to have a pretty solid mental understanding of what they're trying to do offensively. Of course, he can keep growing in that, but I think he knows and like slash respects how important just thinking about football was for Luke Whipler's success, and he wants to try to match that. And maybe he won't quite get there. I, I don't know. Obviously, it's a cerebral position, but... Um, I think he's a pretty sharp kid in addition to making physical gains. So I'm going to make I'm a bold in. prediction. If you get two years out of Carson Hinsman as a starting center at Ohio State, he's going to be drafted higher than Luke Whipper was. About that. Oh. So, yeah. Without question. Yeah. So I'm saying. Like, he's more more athletic. probably. Bigger. Right? Obviously more athletic. Yeah. That approach is going to carry him a long way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it is important that there's that competition element still in it. I'm not, you know, we, we talked to Vic Cutler, but we didn't talk to Jacob James, whatever. You know, he, he may be struggling to get back to full strength after the, the offseason shoulder injury. So whatever's there, I think it's important for these guys to make sure Carson Hinsman knows, yes, this is probably your job, but no, you can't be comfortable because comfort is the enemy of progress when it yeah. comes to offensive line. Well, that's probably happening at the tackle spots, too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think you can build a successful offense if your center isn't one of or the smartest person on your team. And that doesn't... Sometimes it's book smart. You think about uh, you know someone like Billy Price or Pat Elfline, uh, Luke Whipler as well, or Corey Lindsley. They also have to have some of the most uh, sharpest football IQ and the ability to diagnose everything, understand where everyone on offense is going and where all 11 people are on defense to identify what's going on, help call, make those calls, help the quarterback identify pre-snap. Um, you can tell that Carson Hensman is trying to take that challenge, not pretending like he knows it all right now, uh, that <laughs> coming from the stories that he told about the high school offense that he played in and, you know, 12 pass blocking reps over the course of a year on the way to a state championship and, you know, playing out of a triple option. A lot of this stuff is going to be new for him. So to also pretend we think he's probably leading and going to be the starting center for Ohio State um, doesn't mean that he's going to roll out against Indiana and play perfectly. Probably will not. No. And that, you know, there's going to be some growing pains, but, um, that could be true at other positions as well. Um, but you hope that with the work ethic he's shown and the desire to improve, that he can get through that relatively quickly because then by week four, you're not, that's going to be the real test. He said it was a week, or excuse me, a year ago today that he snapped for the first time, which was in a scrimmage, and they put him on the first team offensive line, which is pretty mean. Um, <laughs> but, and he's talked about that a few times, talked about it again today. I think you're right. Like it was a good reminder of him saying that that he's only been doing this for a year, um, but he was more or less the starting center for all of spring. I think he's probably mostly being treated like that now. He might not be rocking by the by the game against Indiana, but I would stake a whole lot of beans on him uh, being pretty good by the end of the year. And you know, Indiana knows that that he's a guy that's going out there first time as a center. Yeah, like they're gonna throw a lot of creative stuff at him, and that's where it's important that you have the veterans like Matthew Jones and, and Donovan Jackson side by side saying, hey, we've got this, pointing things out and and, and making sure that the, the three new pieces on this line are not overwhelmed, which is what Indiana is going to try to do. I think that's why that 
matchup is so fascinating. I mean, across the board, one three eighty five. There's no comparison between those rosters, but you know, they have to go for broke. They've had nine months to prepare, and they can install whatever exotic blitz they want. And they've been able to rep it hundreds of times, I bet, in that camp. And it, you have to, if you're Indiana, you have to try and attack three new starters and a first-time starting quarterback. So that I think is going to be really fascinating, and why I think the first half has the potential to be ugly as we start to get to the midway point of August and to look at that opener. Can I make a bold P? Yeah, absolutely. Trivia Henderson's going to rush for 200 yards against Indiana. And, all, and none of that will matter. She's <laughs> like, okay, I'm just going to run. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> but I think, no, you're right. They, I mean, they stressed out a, a more veteran. Was it more veteran in 2020? I guess not. But they... They, they confu- forced Justin Fields yeah. into some mistakes. They confused the hell out of Ohio State in that game, and they're going to try to do the same in the opener. And that was an Ohio State team that went to the national championship. Yeah. Uh, and but what what you're right though is what they did was they were the first team that year to confuse Justin Fields by throwing a lot of different looks. And that offensive line was was relatively new, and the quarterback wasn't new. So like try to do the math there. We're not we're not good at math, but <laughs> they're certainly going to try to to get creative and, and funky and. Um, you know, and I think Tom Allen, I think Funky. <laughs> if you break down Tom Allen into three categories, Funky is the first, for yeah, sure. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's their motto, true. isn't it? Fio? Yeah, Fio. Funky, funky every everyone. <laughs> that's right. Isn't it in America? We're funky each other. We're spitballing here. Um, <laughs> we're spitballing here. Anything funk else? Funk each other? Yeah. yeah. Any, oh, boy. Is there anything else today <laughs> that Justin Fry said that like caught you off guard, Bill, or that you were wanting to get answered because you're the offensive line guru guru no i mean he's not he doesn't like you try to get him to talk specifically about things and then he sort of always pulls it back to a broader view so he did that a lot like i don't i was hoping maybe to get a little more clarity on like depth chart stuff but i also feel like probably all three of us feel like we have a pretty firm grasp on that already anyway so i'm just curious where like the the george fitzpatrick's fit into this where um you know zen maholsky fits in like to Justin Fry's credit, he brought up those guys today without being prompted. So he knows that he's got to talk about his whole group where Ryan Day on Monday can avoid some guys because he's only seeing the, you know, the narrowed in view. But it is interesting just long term how those guys fit. And they are the true tackles on this roster. Uh, I mean, if you look at the bodies, they are the true tackles yeah. and neither one of them are playing. So is that because Justin Fry is, wants to have guys that can play all five positions out there because they are more athletic or, or whatever. I don't know. George Fitzpatrick played lacrosse in high school. He's a pretty athletic kid, so you'd think he should be able to handle it. He, he doesn't look like he's been able to put on weight the same way some of these other right. guys have. So um, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out where those guys fit. That's what you're going to figure out when you write about the depth chart this week. You're going to have that nailed down by tomorrow, I assume, right? I got it. I got it down. Maybe I know the whole thing. <laughs> so look Even for that. Even the starting quarterback. Even the starting quarterback. He's got it. Give him a hint. No, don't do that. Philadelphia Catholic League. <laughs> right. Uh, the defensive depth chart is already up at uh, ohiostate.rivals.com. I have so look for that. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Joe Royer was back practicing today. Um, so that's, oh. that's one as you start to flush your depth chart out for the Indiana game. He's at least back to work. Okay. So that's just Tyleek yeah, Williams is still in a knee brace. He was on the exercise bike when practice concluded. That's the only ones I saw. I didn't see Mayan, but I also wasn't looking. Okay. Well, that's it. Uh, we can close it there on a snappy B. 
and a snappy J. And a Woody Wednesday, snappy J, snappy B. Well, today, today is Tuesday. Today is, Tuesday. Hey, man. Today is actually Tuesday. Yeah. So thanks for joining us on a Tuesday. Tuesday. The Woody Hayes Athletic Center. Is it really only Tuesday? Yeah, really. Uh, Believe it or not, training camp is a grind, isn't it? Yeesh. That's Bill. My B. <laughs> I am Austin. These have been Snap Judgments on the podcast. Talk to you later. Has it been Tuesday the whole day? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>